are we doing the topics back to back to back or are we doing interlaced uh, or i think or interlaced and I'll, I'll just interlace them uh, how about that okay or or right. we throw it how about we do it let whoever talks throw it to the next person we'll do it in uh alphabetical order okay first names uh middle names Thankfully, that's no different for me, but I don't know your guys' middle names, so that's a problem. I'm leading off. Got it. Oh, man. Middle names was the only scenario, I think, where I'm not last. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm after you in last names. Oh, yeah, you are. I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know what you're thinking either. Alphabets are hard, you guys. Hey, you know what? Mondays are long. Mondays are long. All right. Well, go ahead, Christopher. <laughs> uh, welcome to a very special episode of We Were Gamers. It's triples. Uh, episode, episode 333. Woo-hoo. Woo. Yeah, we so we were off last week, the... right, Michael? Yeah, yeah, we were off last week. Um, we decided to take a break, enjoy some trick or treating, and copious amounts of candy eating with our friends and families. Too spooky. But now we're yeah, back. On a podcast. Too spooky. Too many doorbells ringing in the background. Basically, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked. So it's all for the best. Yeah. So now we're back, ready to go, rested, mm-hmm. uh, and I think we're going to try something a little different today. So we're uh, we're going to pass the mic around, as it were. Um, each of us will get a turn with the speaking stick, and uh, we'll see where the conversation takes us. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, JJ, you brought this up on the text thread, and I hope I'm not stealing one of your one of your topics here but i wanted to talk about the idea that you had for a potential new rule oh yeah okay so the as you proposed it to us was you can do whatever you want with food which we have taken some issue with in the past but you have to change the name from the original thing Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think this is like a really sensible solution to a lot of the problems we've encountered in the past year. Yeah, I like this. I like this as a, as a potential fix for some of the, uh, the things that have ailed us. Um, I, it solves Andy, your, your sushi burrito problem. Don't impersonate was my attempt at this rule. Yeah. But the, but I like, so, so, the whole point of calling it a sushi burrito is that you're going to invoke an image in somebody's mind of a rolled thing, right? Right. You're doing it for reasons of convenience. But right. everybody time, knows it's a wrap, basically, but they don't want to call it a wrap. So really, uh, one of the questions here is, who's in charge of the naming that causes someone to have to change the name? I mean, I, I would argue you are the one, if you're the first person who does this, you have to change the name. It is incumbent upon you. 
if you invent a thing or you decide to change a thing to be different than the standard presentation of the thing, then it needs a new name. And you can just make that name up. Who cares what it is? Yeah. You could so just call I, it like, you know, I, to the point where you, you can even just say like, this is a sushi burrito fusion wrap or whatever. And there you go. Now, now this is a fusion wrap now. So there you go. No one can be confused because a fusion wrap is this thing. This is like, if you call it a taco, like, no, what are you doing? Stop. Yeah, sure. I okay, feel Michael. like I was going to say, I feel like veganism is kind of both really good and really bad about doing this. Right. The products for people who are vegan, um, a lot of times, especially where where meat substitutes are concerned, will just call it some kind of, you know, there will be some introductory word and then the meat that it's supposed to be impersonating, which would violate this as a rule. But on the other side of the coin are the the trend to take the word that it's of the food that it's impersonating and change or remove some of the letters. So chicken, C-H-I-K apostrophe I-N, right? Right, versus the just eggs people. Sure, yeah. Just eggs is a is a great example of come up with something better. Interesting. Okay. So like it So what's the proposal then? For the rules. Because we only have one rule so far, which is no food for the clicks. Yeah, I think I think the the proposal is if you're if you are looking to do something off the wall with food, give it a name and a name that is not just derivative of something else. So no derivative names for new foods? No, rename the food when you change the food. Yeah. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Rename the food. Right, we got to come up with a, a clear and concise rule. Hmm. The point, yeah, the idea is that if you're the one who comes up with the idea for the burrito made out of sushi here, you can't, you don't get to call this a burrito and then just have there be sushi inside. You have to say that this is like sushi Mexican fusion or something. I don't know. You have to come up with a name. I'm, I'm not uh, talented in naming, um, but you just make up any word. I don't even care. And then call it that. That's what it is now. You have to do something. Um, if you want to abbreviate your chicken, uh, you want to abbreviate your wings and spell it with a Y. You want to put, you know, the call your chicken with an apostrophe N so that, you know, it doesn't look like chicken. Um, sure. But, you know, I, I don't know what is the right way or the right thing to do, but the name has to change somehow so that people are not confused thinking it's the normal thing. I like that. Uh, the way you just said it there, the name has to change. And I think that's the like that's the essence of what I proposed and what I saw here that people were talking about. It was like they the conf the problem is the confusion, right? You or, you go to a restaurant, you order a thing, and they're like, "Oh, this is our take on a BLT." It's like okay, but there's no T, so <laughs> yeah. You have I made a someone... BA something else. Like that's I... not a BLT. Don't call it that. I call saw... it something else. I saw a weightlifter person who uh, is a vegan weightlifter person, and 
I how, first I want to start by saying mad props to vegan weightlifters because it's not easy to intake a lot of protein. It seems very hard. <clears throat> yeah, to uh, you can do it. And one of the ways they do it was is with tempa tempe. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. And this exact thing came up, JJ, where it was a BLT, right? And you can make a, a vegan BLT and just change the B. You could change it to like an ALT for avocado or like. Sure. Maybe there's a B out there that I don't know, like, like what would go like butter lettuce BLT, you know, like I don't. Mm, butter I, from cows. I, I don't know. But so they still called it a BLT, right? And then we start, the first thing that goes down is air fried tempeh. And how many slices of bacon go on a BLT, you guys? Two? How many can I fit? One? <laughs> I mean, what's reasonable? Uh, two to three, depending on the size of the bread. Okay. I would say up to four was reasonable, right? If you were just like stacking them in a line and they were not huge pieces of bacon, four is reasonable. Uh, I would say more than four, and you're starting to get to, like, a lot of bacon territory. Nine pieces of air-fried tempeh went onto this sandwich <laughs> as the bacon. Uh, and then went on the lettuce. And then the quote, I don't really like tomatoes. And the sandwich was then closed up and eaten. You can just eat air fried tempeh with <laughs> lettuce. You don't need to even call it anything. I was like, there's no B, there's no T. This is just tempeh and lettuce with bread around. There's it. really like, I mean, the bread, it wasn't normal bread, right? It had to be vegan of some uh, kind. Yeah, a lot of bread is yeah. vegan. Uh, is now, it? health conscious people. You know, you, you worry about if there's oils and if there's sugars and all sorts of stuff in there. Uh, I, I'm coming from a place of ignorance. I actually don't know if bread counts as vegan or not. I, w I think a lot of it would count as vegan. Okay. I I, I was, I didn't know. Anyway, yeah. no person would, we if call you showed that a them BLT. that, would call that a BLT. <laughs> no person. Yeah. So, so he needed to change the name, right? He said, oh, I had an air fried tempeh. <laughs> the Let name needs to change. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I think that's I think our one proposal. of the examples. Yeah. One of the examples that I that I have kind of been going back and forth on, and I know it's one that, that you eat a lot of in your house, Andy, is turkey bacon. Does it the need a TV. new name? Hmm. Because I think, I think I think inherent in the definition of bacon is that it's a pork product, like cured pork. As long as he is saying turkey bacon, is that enough? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. See, this is the one that I. This is the one. Like, they the need to be like I... B A E apostrophe N. <laughs> B A K N. How do you spell? Well, it's, it's like turkey has a K and it has a U, so you could like. Bacon, K-U-N. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. But right. then you, yeah. you like get into like, is it vegan because it's got weird spelling? Uh, yeah, yeah. Then you start to slide into that. Look, it's yeah. not our job to be branding uh, and marketing Here's, experts. Well, <laughs> bacon, ba this kind of falls under the like, what is sausage, right? Because you can make turkey sausage, chicken sausage, pork sausage, beef sausage, like. 
Yeah, but I, in with sausage, I don't think a particular meat is inherent in the definition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know I, what I think... you would call a stripped piece of turkey that is like made from roughly equivalent meat makeup to pork bacon, it, like pre jerky. Oh man, it's not ugh. just okay. So this is again more ignorance on my part. Uh, where on the turkey is this coming from? Is this like the like not the breast, obviously, but like the dark meat side of the turkey or something? And they just make like long strips out of that, so then it kind of baconizes when you depends, cook it that way. It depends on which turkey bacon's you buy. Um, so like a cheap turkey bacon made from uh who's a a meat maker uh uh hormel hormel a hormel cheap turkey bacon will be pressed meat of all sorts of sure so it's ground and then they make it they form it formed and then pressed and then made ready in strips that look like like bacon that don't Uh that are not bacon right right Um, okay but a columbus brand makes strips of dark meat off the sides okay okay which is which is closer to pork bacon right it's which closer. is usually it's the not, belly yeah it's not so i i'm not a good renamer of turkey bacon but i mean because... you didn't you didn't come up with it it's the job of the company to here uh, in this case uh-huh, to like uh-huh. me they made the idea that this is a substitute for bacon a pork product Sure. With turkey, they need to come up with a name. That's hmm. that's what the rule would suppose. Yes, I I would agree with that. Now, if you're the restaurant who is going to serve turkey bacon on your BLT, I think you can't call it a BLT, right? Similarly. Oh, a TLT? Uh-oh. I would just like to okay, say... Yeah. Look, if you put the, a TLT, I'm going to read it and be like, okay, now I know this isn't a BLT. It's something else. I got to figure out what this T is, and the little menu description is going to tell yep. me. Yep. Okay. The name needs to change. I think, JJ, we've hammered that one, and you're next on the middle name uh, alphabetical list. Alrighty. Uh, so I'm going to uh, have a little uh, selfish topic here. Uh, I did something really cool this past weekend, and I wanted to get you guys' take and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Might, uh, I, might I have seen pictures of this, JJ? Very well, I possible. I have not uh, been good, on the internet, I, so I missed it. I wanted to hear about this. So I mean, that seems like something Andrew could go look up on the internet if he were so inclined and access right. to the internet. I will uh, begin. Uh, might want to said check projects. Instagram uh-huh. and or Facebook. I guess I don't know. Anyway, um, I my wife and I uh, celebrate. I celebrated my birthday this past week, and my wife and I, or my wife, got reservations for us at a new bar. It's mostly a bar in San Diego called Mothership. Is the name of it. Um. This place is opened like uh, sometime earlier this year or maybe like, yeah, sometime earlier this year, I think. So reservations still pretty hard to get. There's a whole system where like, you know, you have to log on on Tuesday or whatever the day is for reservations that start the next Tuesday and then a week after that. What is this bananas place? (laughs) What are are you under Pirates of the Caribbean here? What is this? So actually, I mean, that was one of the discussion topics I was going to bring up. Uh, this place is, it's a bar, right? You open the door and it immediately is pitch black inside. This guy is wearing a fedora. 
Uh, look, that person just was there. He's just dressed like that. That's not part of the the experience. That was just a guy. He just felt like. Oh, man. And is that a or, handkerchief? And a poncho and Ugh. a scarf. Yeah. Ugh. You know, it's not your fashion choice to let people be themselves, right? Uh, he was just attending the bar, man. Uh, I don't know anything to say about him. Uh, the the stuff that you should be talking about is what's going on in this bar. There's donuts in here, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and, and sushi. And yeah. Nope. Okay. Nope. What? That, that is, is that, not what that is. Is that uh, not uh, awesome? Oh, no. Nope. No, uh, it's oh. uh, bread. Let me finish talking about what I'm doing, and it'll be clear <laughs> as part of the discussion. <laughs> uh, so this place is uh, it's called Mothership. Uh, we got this reservation. They were hard to get. So, you know, we go in. It's immediately pitch black outside. Uh, and, you know, they, as you walk in the door, they like they slow you <laughs> in the entryway to be like, let your eyes adjust because it's like, you know, four o'clock outside and bright and pitch black inside this bar. Uh, and, you know, they sat they sat us at our table and it's a themed restaurant, a bar, mostly bar. And the theme is a spaceship crashed on an alien planet. And they couldn't escape, so they resigned themselves to living with the land where they are. It's a deserted alien planet. They haven't found any other life forms. It's just this planet that they're at. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of weird decorations that look like some weird alien space. There's all uh, the bar side of the bar looks like, you know, with the, the chairs and stuff look like spaceship parts. It really has the vibe of like, What's the name of that place in Disneyland that you guys go to? I know you know what I'm talking about with like all the tiki restaurants and mugs and stuff. Uh, you're talking about Trader Sam's. Yeah, we're like every corner has like weird, crazy details. Mm-hmm. And the whole place is completely themed. All the people are wearing like, you know, uh, getups that are, you know, themed for the bar. But I mean, you know, it's mostly just black wait service kind of clothes. Um. And the menu is all themed in like weird space and like weird stuff. They all are have like weird space names. All the food is weird and space like to the point where in these pictures uh, that we took. Uh, firstly, the entire menu is vegetarian. I don't know if it's vegan or not, um, but it's definitely vegetarian. There's no meat on the menu at all. Uh, those little squares uh, things those are fried potatoes. Like the name of that dish is just called potato. That's the name of the dish. <laughs> okay. Uh, hmm. And the other ones were um, uh, squash donuts, I think. Uh, with some kind of like orange glaze on them. And it's just like a really, really cool, really weird <laughs> experience. Uh, the drinks are, you know, uh, expensive. Um but, you know, you go to a place like similarly, I think, to Trader Sam's, right, where you're kind of paying a lot and you're sort of expecting the ambiance to be part of that. Uh, also similar to Trader Sam's, you can pay an extra whatever $20 and get glassware to take home if you want. Uh, and another similarity to Trader Sam's, it is also a tiki bar. So most of these are rum drinks. That was going to be my next question was what did, what were you drinking? Yeah, so um, they are mostly rum drinks. Uh, they have a menu online that folks can look at, uh, the, the cocktail side of it. And the food side of it rotates every, like, season or something. They have, like, some dishes that come in and out with the seasons. Uh, but the cocktails are, you know, like, 
they all have funny names like the mind killer or <laughs> um the the homing beacon the warp drive the you know all these kinds of like spacey kind of names and they all come in weird shaped cups because you know these kinds of places all have weird cups but like uh one drink i ordered had you know some like higher strength rums and falernum and some other stuff in it and sage oh you're on not top. a huge fan of falernum huh? yeah it's not my favorite but you could barely taste it in the cocktail so it wasn't too bad um but the the sage that was on the top of the cocktail giving it some like you know more herbal flavors had been arranged arranged such that it looked like you know some weird alien plant sticking up out of the thing with like tendrils curling and stuff you know um the stirring stick in one of my wife's drinks was shaped like some kind of weird uh rock formation uh that you there is all over the like the entire interior is covered there's no walls anywhere that aren't part of some kind of theme they like i don't know how they did it but they like spray coated the entire interior as either like a cavern or part of a space and like made part of a spaceship out of it okay and so we were sitting up against the wall we were effectively on like a broken bulkhead and seats of a spaceship <laughs> uh, other tables you know were just like tables that looked like they had been made locally you know they were kind of like wicker and and table like as opposed to uh the table shape wasn't square it was like some kind of jagged angle thing because you know they had made it or whatever the candle on your desk on your desk <laughs> the candle on your table is actually a uh, crystal that has you know it's an led or something inside it but like you know, it's just like a little glowing crystal uh on your table it was just a really cool and really weird experience. I don't know. Like, due to the hassle it was to get the reservation, I don't know that I can, like, recommend everyone try and do it immediately. Um, but if the reservations weren't such a big deal, I would totally recommend people go just for the experience. And it, it is, like, an experience for sure. And similarly, like, if you've ever been to other places that are really popular during opening, they're, like, very strict about the time limit you can spend. Yes. You know, it's like you get X minutes. So the server comes by. It's like, by the way, you have like 30 minutes left. Like, okay. You know, yeah. last, uh, the last call effectively for you before we kick you out. <laughs> yeah. Oga's can Cantina was like that when they first opened uh Batu at Disneyland. Yeah. I think that makes sense. You know, it's a, they want people to be able to get in and out. Um, and the, the table reservations are quite hard to get. The bar side uh, without tables is, you know, standing room and there's a few bar seats. Um, that area is like first come, first serve, but there's a uh, like a waiting list or whatever. You have to show up and get on the list and they call you back or whatever and let you in as that goes. It seems like they're pretty good about like slowly letting people in. It's not like if you're not at the door immediately, like they just let the first 50 in and then it's like, ah, <laughs> they, they kind of phase people in, I think in order to keep the drink service moving. Um, and it seemed pretty good. Um, it was fun. It was a really fun time. Uh, oh, <laughs> their little indicator on the, the menu to tell you like how much, how strong is this drink? You know, um, you know, it's like cruising speed, light speed, warp speed and ludicrous speed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it. You know, you ordered the one that has like the 151 equivalent and, you know, the uh, like two other mixed rums in there. You know, it's going to be all the way up to ludicrous speed. It's pretty funny. 
their little ship graphic gets like ship is freaking out more and more the farther up the scale it goes so really cool place <laughs> they said like it's playing like weird kind of alien ambient music the whole time and they sell a record of the songs that they play in the bar so if you want to order like the music from the other planet or whatever they'll sell you a uh a record of it which i thought was pretty weird that's fun it you know it, it just sort of completes the whole experience yeah really cool time um like i said if folks are in san diego and they want to check that out it's called mothership uh go online and, and look at pictures and stuff anyway it's a really interesting place cool i think that's probably about my 10 minutes so i guess i'm passing <laughs> the mic to you here andrew okay um i don't know if this was on anybody's bingo card for tonight but i'm gonna take it I want to play, and I want to be very clear up front that I'm playing devil's advocate here because I want to debate something that I think in the long run I don't actually believe. But I want to take it on. But you're taking you're taking the anti-position. But I'm going to take the position that I know that neither one of you two will take. Because I'm the only one here with an Apple device. Mm-hmm. The EU ruling that came out last week was a pretty hot topic uh, in so much as now Apple has decided to cut short any more fighting that they're willing to do over uh, the European Union's decision that consumer products need to share qualified connectors, right? So Apple is not allowed to make a proprietary phone jack for something that can be easily accomplished by USB-C. Is that my understanding? Is that is that roughly correct? I don't know the exact language, but the net result is that, yeah, they can't use proprietary connectors, I believe. Yes. Okay. The plug for the iPhone is, a, I think, an 8-pin plug that came out in 2008. And it's been the same ever since. And it has been able to do things like high-speed USB transfer since then uh, at USB 3-plus speeds. It has been able to do audio. It has been able to do all sorts of forward-thinking things. Uh, and it is much thinner in the phone than a USB-C connection and less prone to damage because the pins on both devices are not uh, susceptible to being broken as easily, right? Like the interior of a USB-C is pretty fragile actually uh, on the phone side or on the connect, you know, the receiving connector side, not the cable as much. The cable is more robust. Now I want to play devil's advocate here and say, that connector is actually pretty dang good. It, it might be better than a USB-C connector in the long run or the short run. Apple has generally had a history of being contrarian and finding less common connectors. Uh, you, they used FireWire 400, FireWire 800 back in the day uh, before switching over to USB at, I think, USB 3 era, and then USB-C. Uh, they were using DisplayPort, mini DisplayPort connectors instead of 
trying to do things over USB. So my contrarian position is forcing them and other companies to not try to gain advantages by using better connectors or developing better connectors might be bad for innovation in the long run. I, I brought receipts and examples if you want to go through timelines of USB speeds versus firewire speeds and all, all sorts of things that different companies have developed at the same times. But I think it's it starts as a general question here. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to let Michael go because I think I have the the winning shot here unfortunately oh okay um well i don't i don't know i i understand where you're coming from with the the you know competition is good for for progressing technology but i think that with something like this and you know specifically like you mentioned the the say the speed of transfer of data i think just the the size of devices and the higher and higher quality content that people are consuming is going to necessitate continuing to innovate to be able to keep up, right? Because pe people aren't going to suddenly start, well, you know, without a without a change in technology, people aren't suddenly going to be start using much smaller files to do the same things that they're currently doing, right? The file size is only going to grow. And I mean, USB-C is just the connector type, the flip sideable connector the actual usb standard is usb 3 or usb 3.1 or usb 3.1 gen 2 or 3.2 or whatever the 500 other ones there are i right. think but i think uh the type internally is uh not what they're worried about as much as the connector type is maybe what you're pointing out Uh, me or or Michael JJ's point here maybe yeah yeah I think the I, I think the thing the law was attempting to address is proprietary cords yeah oh a lot of it is focused on waste right uh I like I said I know a lot of the reasons they've done this and I agree with with many of them uh and and I think my other big argument here is that really the reason Apple was doing this has nothing to do with technology at all and everything to do with licensing and keeping people in an ecosystem. I think that's partly true and also not entirely true. I do firmly believe that they as a company forward think quite a bit about I, what technologies they can keep. What and, and this is one of the things that people complain about with Apple's is that they will adopt a technology and keep it past its death date because yes. they will forward think about something like paying a premium for FireWire 800 that no one's going to use because it is light years better than USB 2, right? And while they it doesn't catch on or whatever, they'll keep it in a product because it is quote-unquote better, right? So the, the Lightning connector when it came out in 2012 or whatever it was um, to replace the 30-pin connectors uh, are miles better than the competition in 2012, which was true. Mike, it's uh, true. Like the bigger USB cable, not the micro, the other one. The uh, USB mini. A is the mm -hmm. USB mini connector, I think was the one at the time. Um, okay. Like the ones that go into printers usually. Uh, no, that's USB A. That's. Mm, mm, I can't no, remember. I'm, I'm thinking of the ones that are squarish. And yeah, I'm, I think those are mini. Also, 
square. It doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. I, so I think my point really, though, is that they uh, Thunderbolt and Lightning have a licensing cost associated with using them. They are not free and open standards for anyone to make cables for. Well, unlike USB. yeah. Unlike USB. And they accomplish the same thing. They transfer data, right? Whatever kind of data. And they have some advantages, I will admit. I think they're probably better at some sorts of data transfers than USB is. And USB has a whole host of like legacy issues with like, you know, backwards compatibility of really old USB products and all this kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. just personally speaking, uh, I know that I've broken, broken lightning connectors before, but at least when you break one, one of the things I like the best about it is that your device isn't screwed because the piece you've broken is on the cable, not inside the device. That's one of my main problems with USB in general. Yeah, um, I mean... I, I can I have lots of faults against USB, but a lot of them are I haven't broken many connectors on like the connector side. I've broken the cables like so frequently. It's it's uh it's not usually me that has broken stuff. I will point out it's uh, uh people around me. I I say how'd you break this? It doesn't really matter, but uh they are breakable by normal people, not yeah, kids full, either. I'm just saying right full agreement. And I think the again I, I think really the the thing that this law was attempting to address is the there was they were never going to standardize right because there was financial incentive for them not to and this was a way for those governments to forcibly make a company standardize in a way that i guess these governments view as helpful is it i i feel it's really hard to say like you know i think isn't Intel involved in in Lightning somehow? Are they the owners of that? Is it Intel license? or is it Sony? I truly don't know. Now I remember we're just Firewire like really was Sony, but now I don't remember. Um. um anyway, uh, some company is being paid like for patents and patents. That's not a word. Patences. Licenses. Yeah. We have the patents baggins. <laughs> um. So and you know. I, I personally don't like this kind of patent technology being involved uh, all the time in software stuff. And I really wish it would go away. It's like, oh, we patented this like thing. You can't use it. It's software. Yeah. What? Well, um, but, you know, that's the, like my uh, the idea, belief. the idea that there's somewhere out there, you know, like uh, Apple computers got a name for being um, creative computers right like creatives use them all the time because they worked so much quicker at certain jobs like loading footage or or writing writing photos over a wire without huge buffer times and all that sort of stuff um and pushed other people to do stuff faster so the idea that like like a standard standardization will will um keep things going is kind of a, i don't know so it's a question i, I think the so I think the innovation here, right, is that now they are forced to use this connector. But like I said, that's different from the like data protocol that's going on here. There's nothing stopping them from saying, oh, we're going to invent USB 6, right? Like you guys are working on USB 4. We're talking about USB 6 over here. And, you know, now it's a standard connector. Anyone can use it. But it has yeah. all these better and more powerful capabilities that only we support because we invented them. 
right? Yeah, they no, could was, do something like this. That's my actual personal opinion is like, well, what nothing prevents Apple from joining the USB commission and pushing forward new generations and then just adopting them faster. Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's the real answer, right? Because USB is as Intel and Microsoft and, you know, defunct companies and IBM and a whole bunch of people that are parts of it. So, you know, and, you know there's just no like reason. And just like, you know, it's one of those things where like, just like Wi-Fi, you know, you can still use older USBs and no one is going to stop you. No one's going to stop you from using newer ones either, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was an interesting thought process of, huh, they used to use cables didn't use, people didn't use to uh, to force technology forward. I wonder what will happen now. And you, you also have a good point. Like, it doesn't prevent them from changing things on the inside of the computer, uh, even if the USB-C connects the same way. It doesn't have to work the same way. Yeah. You know, just like uh, what's the thing you can do with the Apple phone with you, you air air move stuff to people and that doesn't work air if drop, you don't have yeah. yeah if you don't have a an airdrop compatible thing on the other side as well right yeah and the, the uh technology with airdrop is getting better and better cuz bluetooth technology took a jump and they've developed a way to use wi-fi and bluetooth together to force stuff across even faster it's pretty inventive uh i wonder if other people will take it on okay i'm out of time that's it m All right. back yeah, so uh, back to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with technology, uh, and I'm gonna ask you guys about something that is maybe maybe it'll wind up being component class adjacent, uh, but it's prompted by something that we were doing. We've been doing a lot of uh, in the pa- over the past couple of weekends uh, in preparation in preparation for a, an addition to the family. Um, but we have been reading lots and lots. You guys are getting of- a dog. I mean, the wife wants one. <laughs> um, but no, so we have been reading, and you you will appreciate this, Andy, lots and lots of product reviews. Buddy. Mm. Yeah. It, it never and, stops. Well, just, and so that's... You know you're on that's, a train, and it's, so uh, that's, it's Snowpiercer is, is now your name. <laughs> What's that? Uh, this, is, this is where my question kind of comes in so that I wanted to pose to you guys, and it's it's directly applicable to um, to building a computer because we've talked about this in the same uh, in in our conversations of picking parts. Um, but the question is, how do you for yourself draw a line on what is good enough? Right? Because I know Andy, I mean you in particular do do your whole trade offs. Uh, system on on down selecting parts and you've definitely gone down the rabbit hole on that before mm-hmm. jj you, you want to go uh this is really tough man is, I, yeah I, it, yeah it is <laughs> i think this is one of those things where really you have to know yourself and your circumstances really well and it's hard to speak for anyone else other than myself on this kind of stuff right sure. and you know it Gosh, like a lot of it just comes back to like, how much do I think this thing is worth, really? That's like super subjective, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, well, okay, I, if this, is this something I really truly need or am going to need, and then we'll use a lot, 
and then will therefore find value in the like ruggedness and the reusability of this thing? Or is this the kind of thing where I'm going to like use this every so often and it's like kind of okay if it's not that robust because I'm going to use it a few times and whatever. I'm just writing down literally every thought that goes through my head when I'm buying stuff. <laughs> I just, I'm like, while JJ's talking, I'm like, well, what do I think about when I'm buying stuff? Uh. Yeah. It, like, it, it, at some point, like, for me anyway, it comes down to, like, okay, this thing I feel is worth a certain amount of money, and the price they're offering is this. Do I think this is worth it? Like, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because so many times you get stuff and it's like, they just want too much money for how much I think the thing could be worth, right? Yeah, like, for the incremental no. gains versus the a cheaper version that maybe doesn't have the latest feature. Right. It's like, I need this USB cord. It's $3. This one's $10, and it's braided, and it won't fail. Uh, But $3, though, <laughs> you know? Like, that kind so, of stuff. Something that I, that I have, I, I guess, realized that I have that I do when I'm trying to downselect stuff and I try to, to stay mindful of it is usually if I'm no matter what it is, I'm trying to find, I'll start with looking up reviews of like the 10 best and find those from a bunch of different sources. Um, just so I have compare and contrast, but it helps to remember that the people who have written those have already done the work to like slog through the dreck and find you the upper end of things that to choose between right so it's it's much smaller gradations between the items that you're choosing between and they're all at the top of the list right it's it's the 10 best but there's like 700 other ones right right so you know, even the even the tenth thing on the the ten best list is still better than ninety eight percent of what's out there. So there's not necessarily there's not necessarily a bad choice. It's just <laughs> how far do you go before making that choice? Yes, Andy, it is your turn. I wrote down a whole paragraph. Just, I had to mute myself because I was <laughs> typing too much. All right, hit us with it. All right. There's so much stuff to think about when you're making choices about this type of stuff, especially when you're going to talk about like uh, adding additions to the family. You've got things you're going to to really have to uh, evaluate. And first is, you know, what are my finances? Obviously, like I can't I, I cannot physically think of spending that amount of money on anything is a real question uh and i have some oh, yeah. examples I have, I have some examples at the end here so i'm just gonna write down the i'm gonna read off the list of things that i value when i make a decision like this about technology and can i can i live with something less than the best right um so your personal finances what's really available not what they what people tell you is available versus like what's actually available in the market and what does oh, that stuff good, cost? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So like the 4090 is the best. Okay, well, what's really available in the market? And what is the price ranges of the things that are available in the market? You know, yeah, JJ says, uh, what do I think this is worth? Well, the first part of that discussion is, I mean, what gets you by day to day? It's like buying, um, 
a Honda Fit. I don't even know if they make those anymore versus buying a Ferrari. Like what's the price range of what's available to me and what is what does it need to do? Uh what what will I miss about buying something? These are not in order. It's just the the way they came out of my brain. What will I miss about buying this thing that is less Will will I miss that this is not uh Bluetooth Bluetooth connected? Will I miss that this doesn't have Wi-Fi in it? Will I miss that it's not stainless steel? Will I miss you know like what what could I possibly miss about it? Um, what happens when I buy this but I discover that I need more? Is it upgradable? Is it tradable? Is it uh, does it fit into the next thing, so that's the the next thing I wrote down is, does it work with my future plan, right? So, like, I bought a very expensive motherboard, more than I should have paid for a motherboard. Why did I buy it? Because I wanted it to fit into a future plan. I wanted it to be upgradable. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to buy more SSDs and stick them on there. I could have gone with less, right? Um, sure. does Does what I'm buying add permanent value? And if it does... Like if I'm going to use this for a long time and adds permanent value to my life, do I downgrade or do I stay with something better? Uh, How often will I use it? If I'm not going to use it a lot, it's probably not going to break if I don't use it a lot. And therefore I can go with something less. So it's really easy when you're talking about like computer technology um, and things like that to always say, Oh, well, it's easy to go with a little less here. It's easy to go with a little less here. You can you can chart things on an Excel spreadsheet. But things where I've found downgrading or side grading or researching lesser known alternatives, especially comes to like camping equipment we look into all the time, right? Well, what's the best tent? Because I don't want one that rips or leaks. Okay versus what's maybe the second best camping grill because they kind of do the same thing right um I can you live also with have, one that has hot spots right yeah, yeah yeah live with it you you know or things that you know yourself would bother you so like when i buy speakers or headphones um i really research certain things about them because audio can bother me very deeply I even researched these headphones that I use now and they're supposed to be great. Uh, and I love the sound that comes out of them, but something I didn't know about them that bothers me is that they creak when I move my head, you know? Um, and that was something that happened when I downgraded from what I'm going to say is my last big point. Um, Michael, you mentioned that people out there do the research for you about what the top 10 are. Yeah. Sometimes you will find that in the top 10, there are two made by someone right? Mm-hmm. Same person. So not only do you go out there and see what the best is, you go out there and see who makes the best and then look at what they offer. So we recently had to buy a new dishwasher. Well, when we went out there and looked at what the best was, it was pretty clear that like three or four, four of the top five were all made by Bosch. Okay, so instead of researching every single different one, let's go look at the line that Bosch make and what really they're offering each each single step of the way up and what they're asking me to pay for those upgrades. And you just you'll find at a certain point there are five dishwashers that Bosch makes 
And somewhere along the way, you go to, well, really, what am I gaining in my life by having that feature? And that's where you stop. But does my dishwasher need this Wi-Fi? I don't need it to text me. It will <laughs> have to have the UV cleaner. Right, exactly. Like, oh, this one has an LED that projects the time remaining onto the floor. Buddy, I set my dishwasher and I go to bed. I don't need to know how much time is left. Yeah, you're you're just scaring the dog at night. Like, leave that right, off. Right, right. I don't yep. need $150 more for that and a stainless steel braided water cable. So, the stainless uh, steel braided water cable is probably $3 at Home Depot if you want to switch it. Yeah, it trip. is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that's my paragraph that I wrote down in response to this question. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad this that had the uh, that got the response that I was hoping it would. Uh huh. Specific so to record. the things that you are looking into, if you're gonna use it every day, spend up. Yeah, don't cheap out on it. Yeah, I think like ruggedness and the ability of stuff to last is really important. And unfortunately, you pay a premium these days to get that. Yeah, I mean, but there's certain things you can look at and be like, it definitely looks more rugged because it has a leather handle. But really, honestly, more rugged would not be leather because I'm going to use it every day. Right. The cloth one isn't going to look gross and wear out like the leather will. Right. It's also washable. Mm hmm. So really, you start to look into if I'm losing it all the time, how much can I beat it up? Does it go in the washing machine? <laughs> yeah. Yep. JJ, close us out, buddy. All right. Uh, I, we're notionally a video game podcast, so I'm going to talk about a video game related thing. I know that's uh, odd for this group, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, I've been playing Persona 5 Royal. We talked about it here for the last few weeks. Um, still doing that. That game's very long. Um, I'm going to continue doing it. We got... Uh, uh, multiple connections via um youtube uh facebook and uh, i'm just throwing all the things out there that were on um email saying that uh you playing podcast at we were game podcast at we were gamers.com yeah that's our preferred method because then it's all in one place and when we do the emails i don't have to write them all down um uh, very excited that you were bringing Persona 5 Royal to the podcast. Ah, well, enjoy uh, the continued missions of me doing that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get uh, y'all's take on what I've been doing for this playthrough. So I played Persona 5, the original, so I sort of know the story here. Yeah. Um, I haven't played. It's been a long time, so I kind of forget a lot of the beats of that story. Um, but as I'm playing through, I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, now we're going to do this. Right. I remember what the twist is here. Um. You know, but the day-to-day details are a little different. Um, how do you guys feel about using guides and walkthroughs? Go for it. Um, it kind of depends on the game for me. Um, so uh, I'm using one right now for playing through Trails from Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and a part of that is a choice to not want to miss anything. But I also went out of my way to find one that is written to be spoiler free. Oh, cool. So it doesn't give you like it doesn't give you many story beats at all, in fact. 
Um, it'll just say things like, when you get to this point, make sure you make this decision or go talk to this person. Um, so that you're not you're not missing things on your on your collectathon RPG journey, um, but it doesn't it doesn't give the story away. And I mean, in that game specifically, right? Like, are you going and talking back to every NPC after you do something? Because that that game literally does have like a, a single random town NPC has like 500 lines of dialogue throughout the game because you come back and visit them and something happened and now they're saying something different, right? Yeah. And that that's the other thing is that it saves you a lot of time from having to do that, right? Because you could talk to every NPC again at the end of every chapter to make sure that you don't miss a single thing. But a lot of that's not going to get you anything. Yeah. But it, well, in some instances, though, there's like whole cool storylines that you don't see because that's you true. didn't talk to these people, right? But not essential storylines to the plot necessarily. But, you know, if you wanted to see if so-and-so ends up going out with the, his boyfriend over there, like, you know, I'll hey. talk to him. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I wanted to bring that up because I've been using a supposedly 100% walkthrough for this guide, uh, for this game. Uh, Persona, which I've talked about before, has you know this system where every day you get to hang out with your social mates and yeah. then you have mm-hmm. you pick what you do and that so affects you, the levels. If you and, don't do the right things in the right order, you're not going to 100% the game, right? In theory, that's the idea, yeah. Uh, and then, like, what does 100% mean? Sure. Right? Like, in this instance, it's like, we're going to get you every single trophy. We're going to get you the platinum. We're going to get you all yeah. of the achievements that are reasonable to get in one, you know, go through. You're going to try yeah. see all the confidants. You're going to see all of the weird extra scenes. You're going to kill the ultra boss. You're going to kill the secret thing. You're going to do all these other weird steps, right? So I'm following it for now. But I'm not willing to say that I'm going to stick to it the whole way through. Okay. Based on how I know these games like can potentially turn into horrific thousand hour grind fests. Yeah. Um, I, I think I have a nuanced answer to your question that ties into that. And yeah. that is, if it is a nuanced thousand hour thing, um, my, my long uh, answer that I can give you to this would tell me that I would not read a guide. Yeah, um, so, but I don't know if you want the long answer. Well, I, I think it would be interesting, you know, to hear at least the overviews here. Okay. The long answer is that easily remember. I easily remember the idea that games, when we were growing up, had things you could miss that were important, like really important. If you didn't steal from uh Coddle or whatever at the beginning of Final Fantasy VIII you couldn't get Shiva if you mm-hmm. if you didn't mm-hmm. know where all the Skulltolas were you wouldn't get all the pieces of heart if you didn't you know what i mean like if you game sure. yeah. guides yeah. were written hand in hand with the games that we played growing up and it was almost inevitable that when grandparents or parents bought you your big game for Christmas, you know, you'd get three or four games, the guides would be in the bag or the, the box wrapped in there. Right. Everyone sold everyone on the guides. And I admit to just sort of reading them and then playing and reading and playing and reading and playing as I got older, less so, uh, 
you know, into the later Final Fantasies, etc. And so when people are like, oh, you shouldn't do guides or you should do guides with your first one, I go, go for it. You know, especially now we don't have a lot of time. And so at night when we're playing um, Kingdom Hearts, I, I've beaten mm-hmm. the game before. So one, I'm not going to be surprised by much of anything. And two, if I can't remember what why I can't beat this thing, I would rather look up, oh, you need to go there and get Cure before you do this because it's almost impossible otherwise so that I don't waste two or three hours that I don't have to go get that thing and then just do it. Um, there's not very many surprises left. And so it's it's an investment question of am I invested in quote-unquote 100%ing like you just said? And what does that mean like you also said, right? So if a game like Auden Chronicle, the one we just played, is 30 hours mm-hmm. and you and you get all the achievements and everything in the game by doing that, about you know, a little ways in, I might say, you know what, I really like this game. And if I 100% it, I'm only going to lose 5 or 10 hours. I'm going to 100% it. And then, you know, I'll go with the go back and look through a guide and see what I've missed or whatever. Um, and sometimes you'll find out like, oh, well, I made a decision. Like when I did Spirit Fair, I made a decision in that game that unless you play it certain platforms, you can't change the decision and you miss an achievement. Um, and you can't go back, right? Like in certain platforms, you could sca- save scum it and go back and make the other decision and unlock the achievement. Um, now what's your investment level? You want to play it again? Nah, eh, not really. Right. Uh, but if I knew in advance, I was playing something that's a thousand hours. If I'm going to quote unquote, hundred percent it, it goes right back to the exact same reason I do use a guide in certain circumstances. I don't have the time. So if I if I know that I don't have the time, I won't use a guide, or I will use a guide depending on what the game is. <laughs> yeah, I, Games, I have. Yeah, they can help you skip. Guides can also help you skip things, right? Like, oh, you don't need to do yep. this. This is a side thing. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not gonna do it then. Sorry, Michael. Yep. I cut you off. No, no. I was just gonna add that I have I have found that um, you you brought up you know the the ubiquity of guides when we were kids. Um, I have found that the number and types of games that I like to play with a guide has narrowed way down to almost exclusively RPGs at this point. Just because they they're all so chock full of stuff that without one, you know, you could you could be spending tens to in some cases hundreds of hours trying to find something without knowing you know the one person you need to talk to and bring the right item to i think this really applies you know to certain genres of games rpgs being like a really bad culprit and you know i know persona has this issue where like it is possible for certain things to only happen on certain days and you don't know this right like going in you know there's all these different people you can choose to hang out with all these different actions you could choose to do you can go eat a burger you can go to the arcade you can you know, do all these other different things that affect your character in different ways ah but there was a thing you didn't see that you didn't know because you didn't exhaustively check every single possible thing that only happens on this day right and now you will never see that thing unless again you want to play the whole game over right 
Sure. That's the investment yep. question of, do I care if I missed it? Like if I was going to go play those near games, do, do I think I need to see every ending? Probably not. And if I really do need to see every ending, I could probably, after I beat it, go play. You sort of have to make that decision. What's that? Uh, and I think that's where you have to make that decision. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And a guide yep. and a guide can help you make that decision along the way, right? Like if you look up a guide and you're like, it takes how much work to do this much more stuff? Uh, uh, YouTube, the rest of it, I don't have time. And I, <laughs> yeah. that's an evolved opinion of mine from younger me that was like, no, I got to do it. I got to get all the endings. But at, you know, I can't do that with every game. It's not possible. Well, I, so, I, you know, I don't know what the the right thing to take is ahead of time, right? I don't know, like, how micromanaging do I need to get, right? Mm. I think you have to but, decide how much you are going to... Yeah, it's tough, though, because sometimes you don't know you're invested until you're two or three right. hours in and you're like, I love this. Sure, yeah. So one thing I do like in this guide that I'm following, you know, they tell you what to do. Well, like there's like four other things that you have to answer in between. They don't tell you what to say there. And, or they'll be like, okay, you're going to go do this dungeon today. Let me know when you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. In which case it's like, oh, okay. So like I have to figure out how the dungeon works. And like, you know, if you know, there's spoiler stuff, if you want to go read and like, it'll tell you, here's the more, you know, the highlights of the things you need to accomplish in the dungeon or whatever. But you have to, it's not a choice. You have to do all those things to get through the dungeon anyway. Mm-hmm. So you could just kind of go in there and figure it out yourself as long as you get it done on the day or days it tells you to, right? Yeah. Good question. So, I, yeah. I I have been following this guide pretty religiously, um, trying to keep all my social confidence up and figure out all the, the phantom thief stuff that I've been up to, but... Yeah. I thought it was interesting to say, like, how, how close do I need to get to this guide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you need to know what guide JJ is using, Michael, where would you email us? You can email us at podcast at weweregamers.com. Boom. Tell us what you thought of the, the of our new format. It's maybe not a permanent thing, but I liked it. I'll just yeah. say right up, I liked it. Yeah, I think we had a good time with it. Uh, but you could also get at us on uh, social. We're on Facebook, Insta, Twitter for now. Um, you can check out our YouTube channel. Um, we've got some nice curated content there. You can see the fun that Andy has in putting the, the videos of our episodes together. Yeah. Sometimes I troll people. Speaking of RPGs. <laughs> I need to go take an antacid. <laughs> yeah, go for it. You okay, man? I don't know. Uh, I had uh, a Red Bull and a coffee today, and my stomach has been doing backflips ever since. Ooh, that's not fun. The time a lot change. of acid in those two things, you know? Yeah, my the time change is just making me loopy. I got so yeah, tired. We're, defi- we're definitely in the, uh, I mean, sleeping in was amazing, but we're in the yeah, worst I time now. I don't get to sleep in. The kids wake yeah, but that's... up early because the time <laughs> changed and their bodies don't know. Uh, it's like their cats. 
my point is that we're in the worst time now because I come home in pitch black and it feels like the day has instantly ended the day minute I walk out the door. Yeah. Who doesn't want afternoon light? I mean, come on. I hear you. 